Howdy do Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 323. Yeah. <laughs> One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans. I hope you are keeping well and safe. I hope you've had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Related. And I mean that. I hope you've done something <laughs> Doctor Who related because it's been very quiet around big blue box towers for sure. Mm, yep. Certainly has. So, yeah. Maybe you've watched a DVD or a Blu ray. Maybe you've read a book. Or maybe you've watched one of Adam's uh, videos over on the Geek's Handbag. <laughs> maybe. Nice. Not smooth. It's like I like did that. Yeah. See that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 323 is here. We have uh, a couple of bits of news to go through, which is uh, which is cool. One of them's a bit sad. Hate doing yeah. news like that, but it's important to cover that stuff. And then we are on to our review of Torchwood. Dude, it's almost here. Yes, we're almost <laughs> at the end of Series 53. I mean, Series 2. It feels like Series 53. <laughs> I don't know why it feels like, I don't know. I don't know why it just feels like forever. That we've been on series two, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys will hear what we think about fragments a bit later. Uh, normally we go through the uh, the waffle and what we've been up to, but as we've got some news to, to get on with, we're going to rattle straight. Adam and I have been very quiet. No Doctor Who stuff from from us this week. Which no. is why I hope you guys have done something Doctor Who related. So we're going to crack on straight, uh, straight crack on. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to crack straight on with the news. So let's land the TARDIS and do that. All righty. 
So, slamming straight in with the news. Mr. Eccleston. Hey, we know about, fantastic. Yeah, we know about Mr. Eccleston, don't we? <laughs> we do. And his views on the BBC, specifically the BBC. Mm. Uh, anyway, he attended DragonCon recently, and he was on a panel there, has been interviewed, and he dropped uh, another sad confirmation that it seems unlikely that he's going to be returning as the on-screen doctor anytime soon. Now, this is the first... Well, no, it's not. It's one of those few times where he he's actually named people when he's talking about the reasons why there was a bit of fallout and stuff. Because normally, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a... He just, he just uh, blankets the whole thing and just says the BBC and just leaves it there. He's like, you know, I fell out with the BBC or had some disagreements with the BBC and that sort of thing. But he's actually named a couple of people, which is interesting. So they were asking about the upcoming 60th anniversary stuff. And they said, seeing as now you're back as the Doctor for Big Finish and you're doing some audio stuff, does that kind of sweeten things a little bit? Does it make you want to to come back? And his reply was doubtful, to quote himself. He says, doubtful. He said, my relationship with the BBC over Doctor Who has not healed. Mm. So he's still a bit bitter there. And then he went on to say, I left because my relationship with Russell T. Davis, Julie Gardner and Phil Collinson completely broke down during the first shooting of the first series. He goes on to say, I think it's fair to say that the first series, nobody knows what they're doing and the politics are raging. The shooting of the first series was a nightmare. Oh, he hasn't held back on this one. And mm. then he went on to explain in a little bit more detail and said, I agreed with Russell that I would go quietly and respectfully and I would look after the show publicity-wise in terms of publicizing it. And then, and then I'm still quoting him, by the way, he says, and then without <laughs> saying anything to me, they announced that I was leaving. They didn't tell me that they were going to do that. I was walking down the street and suddenly I got a lot of aggression. And more importantly, mm. they created a quote and they attribute it to me which I was and said I was tired. Now, the thing about that is, oh, I found it too tiring. I didn't find it too tiring. I found it tiring working with Russell, Phil and Julia. I didn't find it physically too tiring. So when they said that, any other producer reading that would go, oh, we're not going to employ Krista Eccleston again because he gets tired. He Mm. said, so that was a big lie and it was in quotation marks and I'm from Salford and you don't do that to me. (laughs) So they, uh, and then he goes on to say they issued a kind of apology, but it wasn't enough. So no. So mate, this is the first time that he's kind of laid out exactly what happened because we've, like I said, we only ever got the very top level. I just had a falling out and that was it. So now we know that uh, between him and Russell, they agreed that he would just kind of drift off after series one, you know, thank you very much. No more, no more words need to be said. But for some reason, I don't know whose idea it was, they put this quote out there that he didn't say, saying that he was knackered when he wasn't. <laughs> Not good. Crazy. So the whole thing sounds like a bit of a... It's so it's amazing because on screen, all looks lovely. All looks oh, like, no. you know, hunky-dory. But from behind the scenes, dude, it sounds like a right nightmare. It does. It sounds like a right nightmare. And, and also, he'd worked with Russell on a few things um, before that. So I always assumed there was a good working relationship there. Like um, he did a couple of things, didn't he? The second coming, I think it was called. It was really good drama if I'm getting the name of it right. But yeah, he did. Um, he did a few things with Russell and 
yeah, I remember when we first heard that he'd fell out with him during Dot 2. I was like, really? Russell? I just can't imagine anyone falling out with Russell. But yeah, I, I've seen the video clip of, of Chris saying this stuff um, at a convention. Which which convention was it? It's one that's obviously quite recent. It was DragonCon. Yeah. DragonCon, which is in... Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia, right. So he's over there, obviously, at this convention. And have you seen, you've obviously seen the clip, right? Mm, yeah. So the guy, the interviewer, <laughs> is like... Oh, so pretty pleased with the cherry on top. Mm. Tell us you you might do the 60th. And Chris shuts him down straight away. He doesn't even like, there's not even a breath between him going, nope, no. And he doesn't, because the crowd starts to applaud. So he says, please tell us you're going to be in the 60th. And the crowd starts to get wild. Chris doesn't even let that settle or sink in. He just shuts it down straight away. And his face drops immediately. You watch his reaction because he's quite Mm. smiley the first couple of seconds of the clip as soon as the guy asks him that question he gets really serious and also you can tell by his tone and his body language he's still really upset about this like there's a this borderline anger isn't there in his voice mm-hmm. when he's saying you know the quote that you've just quoted he's he's still clearly really annoyed about whatever went on back then and this is obviously a part of it you know i think there's quite a lot to it really from yeah, what it sounds yeah. like, you know, this is just sort of tip of the iceberg, these little things he's been telling us. But clearly, he did, really did not enjoy his time on Doc 2. Like you said, you'd never know by watching the show. So hats off to him and the production team, because I love Series 1. And it's almost kind of heartbreaking to hear that behind the scenes, it was just not a happy family. Not um, good. Yeah, because yeah. it's such a good series. But yeah, he's just, I can't see it happening at all and i i mean i'm have doubts whether we'll even get a 60th between between me and you because that's looking doubtful i think we're we're just assuming there'll be a 60th if i if we do get some sort of celebration i don't think it's going to be like we're expecting i can't see anything like the sort of 50th type celebration we might get something but Mm. i don't think it's going to be the 60th that people are wanting but i can't see him doing it the the only thing i would like to add to that though (laughs) this is the thing with chris this is the man, this is the same man that said he would never do conventions and then literally probably a couple of months later he started doing conventions. This is also the man that said he would never do Big Finish and I was at a book signing when someone asked him right in front of me, would you do Big Finish? No, and again, just so blunt, no, no, not doing Big Finish, sorry. He says, it's lovely to meet you but not doing, won't be doing Big Finish. Literally about a month or two later they announced Chris was coming back and I'm like, what? So, you know, never say never with Chris, but it does seem that there is definitely some um, bad feeling there that still, as I said, you can tell from his voice, it still really bugs him. So I can't see him being in the 60th, to be fair, which is a shame because he's such a good doctor. It is a shame, isn't it? And it does sound like there were, I know, like you're saying, you never say never. And it was weird, isn't it? That that 118 was like, no, I'm never going to do conventions and stuff like that it's not my cup of tea and then before you know it he's you know charging it, a, a fair whack <laughs> to um yeah to kind of have your photo and, and and autograph and all that stuff so i don't know maybe the bbc just need to give him a little bit of a look chris oh do you know what it was you know what it is maybe um maybe he's not fussed at all about the bbc because he's he's probably intelligent enough to know that um, the people that work on one particular show that doesn't equal the BBC. So probably his mm. his beef is it his beef definitely sounds like it's directly with Russell 
and Julie Garda and stuff. So maybe if those guys have a bit of a, a bit of a, maybe go for a Nando's, have a cheeky Nando's, <laughs> have a yeah. chat and uh, have a hug. It might be all right after that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> we, it, you never know. People do, you know, people do fall out for years and then make, you know, make up and, and uh, stuff. It could still happen. Uh, the thing with conventions with him, I've, never quite understood i i don't know if that's down to the money but thing is with chris he's, he is quite honest and blunt which i like about him you know he's if he, he's not sort of one of these people that you think oh i better not say that he, he's quite prepared to as i said to you get into a ruckus he, he will stand up for himself and he's not you know not afraid to answer these questions which i like because he's i think when he was asked about big finish i think he said something along the lines of well it's covid i'm an actor i need work uh, something like that. Cause when people say, Oh, some people were like, Oh, so he's only doing it cause he, he needs the money. And it's like, well, if you read between the lines, he's just saying, I it's work. And I think, it, you know, he's very black and white like that. Isn't he, Chris? He's not saying he's doesn't enjoy it or he doesn't love the show. He's always said he, he appreciates Dr. Who and the fans, but he is quite honest in that respect. He said, I'm pretty sure somewhere he was quite with saying, oh, I did big finish cause it was the job. I'm, I'm right in saying did, that. Yeah. I, know. I think there's a, yeah. there's a video of it somewhere. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's very. You know, maybe it's just as simple as that. You know, it's just he sees it in a very black and white term. So I'm an actor. It's a job. If I want to do it, I'll do it. I might change my mind. You know, a, a drop of a hat. So mm-hmm. maybe yeah. if they were to convince him, like somebody at Big Finish obviously did, maybe if they come to him and said, "Look, here's the script." And he liked it. He might do it. But a bit like, do you remember the moth? Do you remember the moth took him out for a meal? To try oh, and persuade right. it to be yeah. the fiftieth. Remember the moth talking mm. about that? It just said I, I, I didn't get anywhere with him. He wasn't interested, but mm. you know, he said it was good of him to at least, you know, chat with me. But yeah, Chris wasn't interested in that at all. I think yeah. he took one look at the script, threw it in, threw it on the side of the table, and said, "Right, what are we having for lunch?" <laughs> and that was the end of that sort of thing. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, so didn't probably, grab uh, small talk for about five minutes, and the moth's like, "Right, so Doctor Who, check please." <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes. i'm out oh, yeah. straight away but yeah i think um he did go on to say afterwards if anyone that's watched the video you he did go on to say he put a smile back on his face and said look i'm going to continue to do big finish i've enjoyed doing that and i'm going to still do conventions you know that's all good so we will still see the ninth doctor knocking around it's just it's just a real shame because it definitely links to this whole thing with Russell, because that bit where he said, look, I didn't find it too tiring. I found it too mm-hmm. tiring working with Russell and Phil and Julia. So it's definitely, and he's a man of, he's, he's kind of an old fashioned dude with that stuff as well. He's, he's very, mm. he's a very principled guy. So he is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So if he feels like he's been unfairly quoted, then that's, that's a big, that's a real big dent in the whole friendship thing. So, I can't see unless it sounds to me anyway, like the only way that this would ever be resolved is if Russell reached out and said, let's go for a, let's go for dinner and a chat because I want to apologize. Mm. And even then he might be a little, cause I can't ever see him reaching out, but who knows? We don't know these people um, as, uh, as close friends or anything. So we don't know, but oh dear. So big finish. They're still rocking and rolling with, um, with the ninth Doctor stuff, that's not going to stop. So at least we have that. I, I must admit, I am glad he's done that because all, the first set with him was good. But I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the second set. Second set's 
brilliant it's, it's really good the second uh ninth doctor set uh first one was good very enjoyable but it sort of was a bit timey wimey as i was surprised how sort of complex it was for the first set if that makes sense i thought that if, if anything they'd go for the nice easy sort of um self-contained stories for the first set to make it accessible um but it was still good the first set but yeah second one excellent really really enjoyed the second set as well so i'm glad he's doing big finish because the yeah, both sets have been good with him, and he does. I mean, it is great. He just because he's got that distinctive voice, and and uh, yeah, he just sounds like he's really in, into it, which is which is good. So yeah, well, at least we've got him on big finish. It's better than nothing. Exactly. Let's yes. put it that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving on um, in other news and, and some really sad news, actually. So the actor Tony Selby, who, of course, uh, us Who fans will know best as Sabalon Glitz, um, has sadly passed away at the age of 83. Uh, ironically, a couple of months ago, no, probably not even that, probably four to six weeks ago, it was reported that Toby, uh, Tony had um, passed away and it turned out to be uh, the wrong Tony Selby. It was a, a director or somebody. Um, so it's quite sad and ironic, really, that now, just a couple of months after the news broke that Sony had died, that he has now actually passed away. And I was thinking the other day that you know it's a double-edged sword that because there was so much of an outpour of love for Tony Selby when it was um, mistakenly reported that he had died, and apparently he was made aware of it. And, you know, it must be quite strange to, and almost quite nice, really, that he got to see how loved he was, <laughs> um, but then sadly has now passed away. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because I was thinking, oh, that, if that was me, I'd probably, in a way, quite like it because I'd get to see, because you never know what people are going to say about you after you die, do you? Uh, <laughs> you'd like to think it would be nice things. Um, so I'm, I'm glad in a way that he got to see the outpouring of love because there was a lot you know um but yeah he has now sadly passed away 83 and of course he had an amazing career uh, 70 years uh, appearing on stage and screen he's been in loads i mean i know we know him from doctor who but he's appeared in a lot of tv shows over the years and yes zed cars is one of them <laughs> of course of, of course zed cars uh, but stuff like minder which i really like uh, the good life uh, the detectives the bill uh, Mulberry, not sure what that is. Don't remember that one. Cat Weasel, remember that? Oh, Cat Weasel, yeah. Ace of Wands, yeah. He, he did loads over the years, and of course, a lot of theatre stuff as well. So, uh, yeah, his agent said, you know, in a career spanning 70 years in theatre, film, and TV, Tony was highly respected and loved by family, friends, and colleagues. His renowned sense of humour will be missed by us all. Mm. Yeah. So, very sad news, um, Tony Selby, but he, I mean, he was great as Glitz, wasn't he? Who fans just you know, love his character. He was only in sort of two stories, really, wasn't he? Dragonfire and um, what was it? The Mysterious Planet. Yeah. Oh, and he did come back for the ultimate foe, didn't he? Yeah. So, so he yeah. Appeared, yeah. Yeah. Three. At the beginning and at the end of that trial of a Time Lord stuff. But then, yeah, I think, Dragonfire. yeah, I, I liked him in Dragonfire. He was, he was quite funny. In it's a more yeah it's an yeah. easier going story isn't it i mean yeah the trial of time lord's a bit hard going but mm. dragonfire is he was the sort of more of the sort of i say comedy but that sort of roguish sort of played up more to the character i think in that one i think it was more fun yes yeah defo yeah sad times but um yeah look back with fondness really of those um uh, i remember him in a couple of those roles cat weasel being one of them yeah um, and weirdly a very very small part he had in the bill I used to watch that with my mum years ago. So, yeah, so I remember him from those. And then, obviously, the whole Doctor Who thing with the old Sabalon 
glitz and stuff. <laughs> it's uh, he's a cool character. Every now and then we have a cool little character that pops up that somehow stays with people. You know, even though mm. a lot of characters come and go, and you don't really. And it's not until you watch the those stories again you think, oh yeah, that that characters in it. They were quite cool. Uh, glitz has just sort of hung around, hasn't he? He's been one of those cool, especially when you're thinking about Colin and Sylve's era, sort of the end of the classic years. Mm. He's one of those sort of, like you said, not really comic relief, but one of those just cool characters, really. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah great character. Yeah. So, Tony Selby leaves us at the age of 83. And that's going to do it for news. Uh, before we crack on with our review, please remember to follow our podcast and listen for free on whatever podcast app free. you listen to your podcasts on. That way you won't miss a show when they drop every single Friday. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Do a search for us. You'll find us on there or there are links on our website, which is www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. There are links to all of the podcast apps and networks, the social stuff. Also check out the uh, the very cool uh reviews and articles that our team have put out we had maria she reviewed series 14 of jago and lightfoot from big finish that's a very interesting review that one to give that a read we had um uh, one of our new writers harry he's started to do a review of all of the special edition uh, collection blu-ray box sets um now that they've started to release them again in the standard packaging and so on so he's done a, a very good review of the season 12 blu-ray collection so go and check that out. Then we had some reviews from Jordan, Dalek Universe 2, uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, so go and check those out. It's all very cool stuff. We've, we've got a free Discord server as well. Come and jump in there, chat some Doctor Who. And also, it would be remiss of me to obviously not mention The Geek's Handbag over on YouTube, Adam's channel over there. So go and subscribe to that immediately. Yeah. Yeah, loads of very cool Doctor Who and geeky videos over there. And Adam's on the socials too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. That is me, yes. <laughs> Indeedy. Right, with that lot out of the way, it's review time, dude. What we got? Yeah, so this week it's the penultimate episode of Series 2, and it's called Fragments. Some people believe that in the moments before your death, your life flashes before your eyes. The Torchwood Institute was created to combat the threat posed by the Doctor and other Phantasmagoria. He's coming when you're looking. Explosive devices, snap. Phantasmagoria. Yeah, I know. That's the word that stuck out for me in that trailer as well. Phantasmagoria. Very cool. Wow. What does that mean? Uh, Sounds like a, a horror film. Phantasm- <laughs> I'm sure there's a big finish called Phantasmagoria. Yeah, it, I think there's like a really old comic book that was going for years called that. Phantasmagoria. It means... Oh, it's an old video game. Uh, yeah, it's a really old video game from the 90s. I'm sure oh. it's got another meaning, though. I'm sure I've heard that word. I think it's related to, like, horror and the macabre and, and all that That's jazz. what I think of, yeah. yeah. I yeah. hear that word, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Fragments, Torchwood, Series 2. It was first broadcast back on the 21st of March, 2008. It ran for 50 minutes, which I think is inaccurate. I'm sure it's more like 44 minutes or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it was written by The Chibinator. Yeah, Chris Chibnall. Yeah, directed by John Fox Bassett. 
stars the usual Torchwood stuff that we've seen throughout Series 2, and the synopsis is a booby-trapped building explodes and knocks the Torchwood team unconscious and kills Jack again. Each each team member's life flashes before their eyes, and there is a series of flashbacks for all the main characters except Gwen. Uh, Captain Jack was initiated into Torchwood back in 1899. Toshiko went on uh, a mission to trade alien technology for her mother's life. Yanto wooed Jack with coffee and a flair for alien catching. And (laughs) Owen lost his normal life to an alien in his fiancé's brain. Yeah, it's all going on, isn't it? It is, yeah. Fragments, dude. We're almost there. What do you think to this penultimate episode then? Mm, yeah, it's a good one to to have uh, at the end of you know the second series because uh, it's kind of like a two parter, I guess. The next the next episode, what's that called? Exit wounds, I guess, is going to tie up all the loose ends. But it is kind of a standalone in a sense because what it is is it's just like a would you call this an origin story? Is yeah, this what you, yeah, I suppose, kind of yeah. shows how all the Torchwood crew that we've got to know all came together. So I mean, there's been lots of different variations of the Torchwood team over the years we've learned uh we get to see a couple of them in this we get to see it's quite an interesting one in one of the flashbacks where jack comes into the tortured hub and and the the team at that time is it the 80s or the 90s i think 90s 1999 i think it is yeah they're all dead mm-hmm. and they've been killed by one of the sort of torture members so there's lots of interesting stuff going on this and i going on in this and i, I really enjoyed this episode i thought it was really good it, um kind of takes its time it's uh it's a great setup at the start i really like this idea that they've come up with that straight away they go into this building and and it's a booby trap and there's these bombs and it blows up and then each character's trapped and as we get to find each character trapped we then have flashbacks to their origin story it's quite a, a simple but really nice idea and, uh, and the origin stories are, are, are quite well done i think they're quite engaging um, I mean, Tosh's is quite dark. Poor old Tosh. She don't half go through it, doesn't she? Poor old Tosh. Poor old yeah. Tosh. But yeah, the origin story is really good. I mean, even Jack's is is really good, actually. I think uh, it's a great setting for him. I don't know what it is. Is it meant to be like medieval times or what century is his Victorian era or something uh, like yeah, that? Yeah, it's, it's the 1800s, yeah. 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 So I mean that's you know that really you know he's got these big sideburns and and um that's mm-hmm. really good and then yeah you've got Tosh's story with her mum being kidnapped and she's like Jack goes to see her in the prison and says you know you're never getting out of here unless I help you and that's really dark and then you've got Yanto's story which is fun because at the first I thought I thought it was kind of a weak way to bring him into it. I thought after two quite good origins sort of setups with Jack and Tosh Yanto's I thought so what, he just basically, him and Jack do a bit of flirting. And then, but actually, it, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, actually, no, it's quite nice, actually, because it, it does add a bit of uh, much-needed comic relief after the two quite dark stories. And then we get an even darker story with Owen's girlfriend. And this works brilliantly because Owen, as a character, has been a bit of a, you know, you know what at the beginning he was a bit almost unlikable you know he's a bit arrogant very cocky full of himself and then he sort of mellowed a bit as the series goes on and actually i love the character of owen now but uh, early on in the series he is written to be quite you know uh, pretentious and stuff but this origin story kind of explains that in a way because he loses the woman he loves the woman he's going to marry and the the you know because she's got this alien on her brain and it's it's incredibly dark but it's just great to see the character of Owen 
in a flashback actually being more like the sort of softer Owen that we know now and seeing how this would have affected him and turned him into that quite sort of cynical uh, woman, you know, jumping into bed with a woman, a different woman every weekend because he's just, you know, goes off the rails, really. So that again, I thought that was, you know, each of the origin stories work really well for the characters in terms of it does show very nicely how they ended up being where they are at the point that we get to meet them. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a, a good, good episode. This I, I did really think it was a good story. And um, yeah, I think it, it just showed me. I thought, well, this is written by Chris Chibnall. And it's written well, and it's sort of well plotted out, and you can tell that he's sort of put some thought into the stories and the characters and where they would have been at that point and how they are now. And yeah, I was, I just thought, you know, it's it's well done. So he can do it <laughs> when he wants to. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I just, I just thought it was well written. I thought it was a, a really good intro, and of course, yeah, it's got a great sort of cliffhanger when they bring back old what's his name? What is his name? John Hart, isn't it? Something like John Hart, Captain John Hart. Oh, the guy at the very the end. At the end. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. John Hart. Back, yeah, yeah. Which I wasn't expecting. I should have been. I've seen this before, but not for years. So yeah, he comes back, and I'm like, oh yes, of course. So now the finale is him. Yeah, so that's good. So it's it's yeah. It seems to me like series two of Torchwood is you know the last couple of episodes has really got its act together. Mm. I've I've really enjoyed the last couple of stories, but it's taken a while to get there really. I think it's it's taken a while for me for it to find its feet, Torchwood. But um, last few episodes have been good. It's, it's hitting the mark for me recently. Like like I would have quite happily gone on and watched the next episode. I didn't, uh, but it was nice to have that feeling of wanting to rather than switching it off and going, eh, Torchwood's a bit, meh. you know, it, it left me wanting to watch the next one, which is good. So yeah, a good first part, good good story this one. Cool. Cool, glad you like this one, dude. Yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah, uh, I really like this one, dude. It was a. Um, it's funny you mentioned uh, Chibbers. It's almost like it sounds extremely condescending and stuff, but he can do well. <laughs> um, it's the best way to be. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not. I, I never feel like he's never given a hundred percent. Um, in terms of his writing and stuff for whatever program he's worked on, but he just never. He's never had that consistent feel to his writing like there are some stories where uh not just with Torchwood but uh, in actual fact his Torchwood writing is probably arguably better than Doctor Who but with Doctor Mm. Who some of the ones that some of the stories that that he wrote when he took over are just atrocious some of them and you just think Mm. like bloody hell like you know how can you go from writing a really good story like this one, for example, that we're doing this week, how can you be very talented like that? And it's almost got an, an RTD feel to it. It's almost because it's got very, very good character progression and it's really good. Well, I guess it's like reverse character progression. It's in a weird way because it's the flashback yeah. stuff, but we are progressing the characters via flashbacks, if that makes sense. But yeah, the character stuff's really good. And, you know, the whole thing's plot, like you said, it's paced very well and it's plotted out nicely. And, it's quite emotional in some places and in mm-hmm. other places it's got a bit of action and you know it's got a lot of stuff going on and the finale is very cool it's a really good cliffhanger so you think like like if he can write something like this and he and he hits the mark from for, for most of it you just think why can you not apply that <laughs> and write mm. something really really cool for doctor who it's just very frustrating that the consistency is not there 
I don't want to dwell on that too much because it, on a positive note, it's a very, very good story. So he can he can nail it when, I don't know, like I said, it's not like, it, it would be very, very, it'd be awful to say something like, you know, when he tries, he, he nails know, his stuff. Do you know what, you mean. Do you yeah. what I mean? Because I think that he always does try. It's just, I don't know, it's like, it's a bit of a Russian roulette game with, with Chibbers. Whereas some other writers, like, I know we always, it, this show's a bit of a love letter to RTD. I mean, I realise that. But when you look at a lot of Russell's other stuff that he's done, like It's a Sin and, was it Years and Years? Yeah. Years yeah. and Years. Uh, yeah. 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 And then some of the older stuff that he did, like Queer as, um, was it Queer as Folk? Queer as Folk. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. It's like, he's just consistently writes really really good drama and really good stuff and then you look at chibbers and it's like mm, some of it's all right some of it's awful some of it's really really good and this is an example of that so i thought it was really good and a nice change of um a, a nice decision to not have a filler before the finale as well mm. because this could have easily just been right okay we're not going to do a two-part finale so the penultimate one's just going to be a uh, a creature of the week kind of rubbishy. There's a weevil legging around and, yeah. you know, Gwen's bloody kissing <laughs> somebody this week and flirting. Mm. You know, we could have had all that usual crap that we've had up and down throughout series two. So it's a cool decision that instead of just putting some filler stuff together because we need something to get onto the finale, it's cool that they actually made that decision. It's like, actually, we don't know how all these people came to be how they you know were recruited into torture and stuff like that so let's let's give the viewers a bit of an insight into their backstory so it's very cool yeah um, and it's well thought out isn't it i mean hmm. even the stuff like the terraleptal he uh, he manages to bring that in how that you know how the terraleptal ended up in torture so, so even little details <laughs> <Dude>. like that <laughs> the pterodactyl what did I say? Terraleptal. Terraleptal. Oh, yeah. Terraleptal's from Doctor Who, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not in torture. Sorry. Terraleptal. <laughs> yeah, that was cool, that bit, actually, because uh, we thought that was ridiculous, right? When we first reviewed Torture. Yeah, we were like, what's ago. that dude flying around? Terodactyl. Yeah. Weird. But yeah, it's. Um, I just like the thought, the fact he's sort of. It feels to me like he's really thought about this script. That's the thing. I mean, a lot of his dot two stuff, it feels almost like it needed another, you know, another draft, I think. It feels like there's some good ideas, but no, he hasn't quite pulled them together. Whereas this, it does feel like he's plotted out really well and he's really thought about the characters and he's thought about little details like that, you know, where he's just thought, oh, what about that thing that used to fly around in series one? We'll put that in. And, you know, so it does feel like a well thought out script. And, and it's, I think this would have been, it would have been the sort, the sort of script he could have been a bit lazy with it as well, whereas I don't feel he has been. Like, it, um, you know, it, it really works. You know what I mean? Like you said, it could have been a filler episode. Oh, it's just, if you look at the sort of synopsis, it's just telling how each character got introduced to Torch would just, you know, just do a little backstory for each character. It could, could have been filler, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like a good, you know, um, well-produced story, which actually all the all the stories uh, for the, each character works really really well mm. in terms of the bigger picture so yeah yeah hats off it's, it's a great great script i mean we you know uh, i'm going to overlook cyber woman which chris also wrote but uh, apart from that <laughs> i think his other tortured scripts have been fairly good we did one recently didn't we which was written by him which we said was good was that the one where they were taking prisoners to a island was that a chibnall episode i forget now but there was one we did recently that we said was again a good script so 
Was that Adrift, yeah. the one that we did last time? I can't remember. There was definitely a, a one written by Chris Jibnall we did recently, which we said was a, a good story as well. Um, it might have been Adrift, I'm not sure. Mm. No, was yeah. it? That was the last one. Anyway, whichever one it was, I remember we said it was good. Yeah, so for... It was Adrift, I think. So for Torchwood, yeah, he did Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang towards the Is beginning that the of the series. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry? Is that the sex gas one? Uh, kiss, that kiss, was bang. the... Um, because that wasn't very good. <laughs> uh, yes, I think so. Oh dear. Okay. Well, let, let's let's con- let's let's focus on his good ones. Let's let's just say the last couple he's done have been good. Yeah. Well, actually, kiss, <laughs> yeah. kiss, bang, bang. That was the first appearance of Captain John Hart. Was it? That was oh, when really? he. Yeah, that's when he first oh, came oh, into oh, it. Yeah, and then after that, he did the last three really. So he did a drift fragments, exit wounds. So he's written the last three. For series two, they're not too bad. Like, yeah, who's writing? Who's writing the next one? I assume it's not him. Let's have a yeah, yeah, he's writing exit wounds. He's, he's exit wounds as well. Okay, well that'd be interesting to see if he manages to do a a good final. Then mm. I reckon he might be suited to doing origin stories. Like, so I'm thinking about like he or or maybe maybe not suited to it, but I think he maybe enjoys doing origin stories because if you think about the timeless child, you know he. Obviously, something he was passionate about. I know we try not to mention it, but uh, you know, he, it's obviously something he wanted to do. This this thing with Doctor Who. So I don't want to get into the can of worms of whether it's a good or bad decision or, or whether it needed doing. But maybe Chris Chibnall likes doing these sort of origin stories. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he maybe. certainly does it well in this one, anyway. Indeed. <laughs> and the, yeah. Yeah, and the cast are great. I mean, I I love the scene when we get to see uh, Owen. I always go to call it something else. Owen, when he's got the the shard of glass, the window pane. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's it, really well shot. I was going to say the director. I've never heard of him before. What's he called? Yeah, um, you have. Yeah, he's directed a couple I? of. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Something Bassett, Fred Bassett. Jonathan oh, Jonathan Fox, Fox yeah. Bassett. Yeah, really good direction from him. Um, that that particular scene really is like proper sort of old school horror. It's just it's just the angle and the close up of of um, Owen's face, and he looks proper terrified as well. I don't, uh, the the way he moves and then the, the shard of glass just falling out. I don't know if they had to do that a few times or if it's camera trickery, but it's brilliantly done because mm-hmm. he he does look really terrified of that glass. Um, I just maybe wonder if it was a prop that you sort of get the feeling they've got a button on the side of the frame to <laughs> let it drop or something. And I just wondered if they were like, don't worry, burn. We won't drop it until you're out of shot. And he's thinking, yeah, right. Because <laughs> uh, he does look proper scared. Um, but yeah, scenes like that were quite tense. And I just thought, yeah, uh, really good. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's um, Yeah, this guy, he did um, From Out of the Rain as well. Which I liked, but you didn't. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yep. That was the circus dudes wasn't it yeah awful that's it the circus awful. dude yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's i think that's the most divided episode we've had i because i really like yeah. that one but yeah you thought it was awful awful indeed so let's rattle through then each of the flashbacks then because it is like a bunch mm. of mini stories let's do captain jack first let's do it in order yeah. so it comes up on the screen 1392 deaths earlier that's another sort of thing that chibbers loves doing isn't it it's oh, weird yes. Yeah. Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Torchwood are in place already at this point. So back in Victorian times, we've got an all-female Torchwood duo who are mm. kicking ass and um, you know, sorting all the aliens out and stuff. They come across Jackie's a bit of a mystery, 
Uh, we all know now, don't you go into it, about him not being able to die and all that stuff. And they're like, okay, this is interesting. And they kind of they kind of trick him into, into doing it because there's not really much they can do, really, because they know he can't be killed. Um, there's not a lot, really, that they can do because they're basically... They just torture him, basically, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they just torture him, but that can only go on for so long. So they kind of say, look, you know, we, we could use your skills kind of thing. And he's, at first, he's like, nah, not interested in any of that. You know, I just want to go to the pub, and which is fair enough. But then they kind of give him a bit of an ultimatum. They're like, look, you know, you either, you know, join us and you start doing work for us or... Uh, we will take care of you. So I think they must have some kind of technology, some kind of weapon that would that would ultimately kill him properly. I'm not sure mm. if that's true or not, but it does. Uh, yeah, and then he goes, uh, you know, he goes and takes that old fish face. Oh yeah, the blowfish is back. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, takes him out, and then um, and then it just really just goes through another couple of points in history, doesn't it? In time, from his point of view, so. Um, as uh, time's gone on and those two females from the Victorian times obviously naturally died and stuff like that. Um, uh, he then goes on to work for, uh, I think the character's name is Alex. I think it's Alex who's in charge of Torchwood at that point. Mm. Goes to the hub and he's murdered all of his teammates, isn't he? He's basically yeah. looked into this thing called... Uh, if my research is correct, he looked into this thing called The Last of Erebus, also known as Object One, also known as Bad Penny, also known as the Silas Oblast. Uh, and Jack refers to it as the Red Key, which is basically a locket that uh, has the power to tell the worst possible future for those people who are in the vicinity when you open it. So this guy has obviously been a bit of a knob. He's opened up the locket and now he's like, well, that's like the most awful thing that I could have ever witnessed. So I'm going to save my teammates from this awful future, kills them all and then kills himself, dude. So it's a bit dark. And then after that, he takes over. Alex basically says before he shoots himself, look, I'm giving you Torchwood. You know, you're right for it. Make it, you know, whatever. And then he goes on to recruit the other ones, which we'll come on to. So Jack's story is, uh, is kind of cool, actually. I think it was the longest of the flashbacks as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I like it. Um, it I love the setting. Um, uh, Barrowman's good in it. He gives a good performance in it. And also, I love the fact that, and I didn't realise this until I read it just now on Wikipedia, so I hope it's true, because, you know, Wiki, a little bit unreliable. But I, I thought the Doctor had been mentioned before, but according to Wiki, this is the first time uh, that doesn't sound right, even as I'm saying that. I'm sure we've mentioned the Doctor before in Torchwood, haven't we? Not explicitly. So okay. they've hinted at somebody, but they've yeah. never explicitly said the Doctor. Yeah. Okay, dokie. So yeah, but what I loved about Jack's origin story then is that he's waiting for the Doctor to come and fix him. And I thought that's cool because we, you know, we think back to the Bad Wolf when uh, when this kind of all happens, doesn't it? Rose saves him in Bad Wolf and. Mm -hmm she sort of makes him immortal and he can't die. So I, I really like the idea that Jack's got faith that one day the doctor will come back and fix him. I thought it was a really nice idea. And then there's that really nice scene where the little girl comes in and starts reading the tarot cards mm -hmm. and says to him, you're going to have to wait a long time. <laughs> and he's like, Oh no. So, but apparently she's been in it before. And I do vaguely remember there was a scene when, um, she did the same thing. I think there's a what in one episode, 
he's in a bar and she come this little girl appears and reads him his tarot i don't know i can't remember it it says it happened on wiki and i vaguely remember it so i think that's quite a nice little throwback as well but yeah i just liked that idea and i thought jack's origin story worked really really well and it's quite nice to see him not being like in charge of torchwood like you know the jack that we know he's quite bullshit and sort of rules over torchwood telling everyone what to do so it's quite nice to see him being yeah. on the other side of that you mm-hmm. know the sort of um the build-up to him taking over torchwood so yeah good yeah. origin story for jack i thought yeah and I it thought works so. for it really well yeah yeah because if we didn't have this episode one would probably assume that he was just always in charge of torchwood yeah i kind of did in my head i thought yeah. oh yeah you know yeah unless you've gone back and listened to any big finish where uh they talk about some of that stuff with the locket and stuff like that. I think it was. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, there's a uh, the Torchwood Archive, which is a story from Big Finish a few years ago now. That goes into that that locket stuff and. Oh God! You know, bad. I think that's the only Torchwood audio I've bought from of Big Finish because apparently the Big Finish audios are really good. Um, and uh, it, it was more of a money thing. I thought, oh, I can't, I can't afford to get them at the minute. But I did buy that one because I think it was a special release, and it was awful. Uh, <laughs> I, well, at least I, I couldn't get into it. Um, I'm, I'm sure it was that one, Torchwood Archive, because it just kept flashing back. And I did. It's one of those where I probably lost the thread, and then from that point onwards, I just couldn't get into the story. If I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the Torchwood Ar- Archive. I think it's the only Torchwood audio I owned from Big Finish. Yeah, and, uh, it, it didn't. It wasn't the fact that I didn't enjoy it that put me off buying the others because I, I think they're probably very good. But yeah, couldn't get into that one at all. Yeah, it, they they put it out for the tenth anniversary of Torchwood. Is yeah. it just got a grey cover? I'm sure it's the one. Yeah, I've yeah it's got. just a grey cover, the hexagons, and then it's got the gold That's it. metal kind of looking logo. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe I need to give it another listen because if it sort of ties in with that lock it maybe it i'll understand yes. it more yeah yeah it explores the origins you remember we've heard this a couple of times something called the committee do you remember we had mm. that in episode in series one vaguely like very very early torchwood days i think it was set during the war maybe oh yeah, war, yeah. Or something yeah, like that right, the committee yeah. so it explores the origins of the committee and also object one which is this locket so it goes into a lot of detail about that specifically because uh, we don't know exactly why this guy shot everybody and stuff. The camera just sort of focuses in on this locket he's got. But unless mm. you've listened to that audio, that audio drama, you wouldn't know. We just assume it's something sinister and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a good story. It was a good story, that one. And, and uh, John Barrowman is quite is quite good. You can see the... You can see the progression of his character, that kind of naivety around, yeah, yeah, yeah tortured, whatever. Um, uh, and then that kind of progression into the leader of Torchwood, where he's been a you know an employee, now he's the boss. Mm. So that was kind of cool. Uh, let's move on to Tosh then. So these other ones are fairly short, aren't they? They're only about 10 minutes, these ones. Um, so Tosh, subtitle on the screen, five years earlier. So not that long ago, really. No. In fact, all of these are not that long ago at all. So Tosh is working for the Ministry of Defence and she's being held to ransom. Somebody has kidnapped her mum. In exchange, they want Tosh to steal um, blueprints for alien technology that the Ministry has, has got. And she wants Tosh to construct a prototype of a sonic modulator Tosh will hand that over. She'll get her mum back. That's the theory anyway. Uh, that doesn't go to plan, obviously. There's um, 
this character called Milton. Um, she uh, she's just hungry for you know for more stuff out of Tosh, so it's not going well. And then Unit turn up, they raid the place. Uh, we don't know what happens to that character, Milton. We assume she's been incarcerated forever, whatever. But then Tosh gets locked up as well, never to see her mum again. And then Jack turns up at the end and gives her a bit of a. Uh, a lifeline basically said look you can stay here literally until you die they're never going to let you out or you can come and work for me and uh you can you can communicate with your mum kind of letters and postcards and stuff so tosh one tosh's one was heartbreaking poor old tosh ever since we've started watching torture we said that haven't we so many times like poor old tosh she goes through it doesn't she she gets a really rough ride, doesn't she? Poor Tosh. But yeah, it's a good, I mean, it's a good, again, a good origin story. I like it. Um, yeah. It, yeah. She just, does, it was dark. I mean, the whole thing about, oh, I'll let you see your mum now and again. You almost feel like saying to Jack, who the blimmin' heck do you think you are? <laughs> you know? But um, yeah, it's good. And it works well in terms of, um, I like the fact they've set Jack up and he's now sort of trying to get his team together. That's, you know, it's, it, it was a sort of another good installment in the story i thought just bringing in how he's getting everyone together and the reasons he chooses them as well because i think at first that was that was why i was struggling with the anto one because i was thinking well why does he choose yanto but we'll get to that in a minute but yeah with tosh you can see that he's impressed and i love this idea um that she's got this blueprint and without really even realizing she sort of corrected the mistakes as she went along i just think that's again just a, a simple but brilliant idea and it shows that she's really clever um, without sort of having to sort of really be explicit about it. It's just that, yeah, it's just such a nice, simple idea that she managed to create this thing and didn't even realise that she'd necessarily corrected the mistake. She just did it with instinct because she's clever. Um, so that, again, is a really nice nice bit of writing. Yeah, it does reinforce that aspect that she's a bit of a, a bit of a whiz with the whole electronics and computers and stuff. It was cool. And that was a really cool little A-team moment as well where she's just got a table full of random electronic parts and whatnot yeah. and stuff and she's stripping cable wires and she's she's doing all that sort of stuff. Did you think at first that she was building a sonic screwdriver? Yeah, I did. I yeah. did at first. Yeah, or a portal yeah. gun. <laughs> or a portal gun. <laughs> Rick and yeah. The thing is I, I really like Tosh, you know, and I she does get a rough ride, the character. I, I kinda wish they'd use her a bit more though, because quite often when we review the tortured stories up to this point, we're like she gets the odd moment, she gets the odd good bit, but they don't really utilise Tosh. I, I don't think they really know what to do with it, the writers, I mean, because um, I think she deserves to be a bit more, have a bit more to do than standing it. I think they look at her and think, right, Tosh is a, a clever character, she's good with computers, um, what can we get her to do this episode? Oh, I know, she traces where the, you know, energy's coming from, but she's always stuck in front of the blimming computer screen, and I, yeah, I, I wish they'd utilised the character a bit more, because I think I think Tosh is a good character. And I think uh, Nioko Mori, who plays it, does a really good job. I think she's she's really good. She really gets the character, I think. She does, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of a computer monkey, though. Computer whiz, lot, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's move on to Yanto then. So for his one, it's 21 months earlier, so not even two years. And uh, it's a bit of a short and sweet one, really, like Yanto has been as a character, really, mm. throughout Torchwood. And it kind of... It's a bit of a confirmation about what you and I have been describing him as, as we've like nine times out of 10 when we review Torchwood, we always say the words that Yanto says on screen. So there's a bit where he's working for Torchwood London and um, he's kind of 
track down some alien activity in Cardiff and he's found that Jack is, you know, after this weevil and stuff like that, he sort of mucks in and helps him. Um, so Torchwood 3 is the team that Jack is building in Cardiff. Torchwood 1, which is the London one, that for whatever reason, I, I did I did know about this, but I've forgotten. I read about it ages ago. But mm. for some reason, Torchwood 1 has collapsed. It's gone. So now Yanto's looking for a job. So naturally, he's going to try and join another Torchwood uh, team. Anyway, he helps him fight off the Weevil, does all that stuff. There's a bit of flirting between the two of them. He tries yeah. to flirt, you know, says he likes his coat. And, and, uh, but Jack's not having any of it. He's like, nope, there's no job for you here. He's adamant, you know. Mm. But then Yanto, is, he goes into this plead mode. He's like, look, I'll make the tea. I'll be the butler. And he even says it twice. He shouts, he's like, I'll be the butler. And that's what you and I have described him as. Yeah, for ages we've always boy. said, yeah, he's just he he acts like um, I think we've described him as like the Alfred in the Batcave, mm. where he's just kind of milling around in the background, contributes every now and then, but essentially just brings the tea, brings the dinner, you know, and tidies up and stuff. So a short and sweet one for for those two. Um, I think the turning point was when they both captured the the pterodactyl and yeah uh, and that kind of stuff, and then. Yeah, Jack, for whatever reason, uh, does a 180 sort of caves. He's like, you know, I'll see you tomorrow morning for work sort of thing. And mm. the rest is history. But yeah, not that long ago that Yanto joined, 21 months before that. But yeah, typical Yanto in this one. Yeah, it's a, it's a good little origin story. I mean, it's um, <laughs> the only thing is, like, knowing what Jack's like, I think he would have um, probably jumped into bed with him straight away. <laughs> so the fact he's uh, sort of telling him to go away, I'm thinking, yeah, it doesn't strike me as Jack, but um, but it was fun. It was good, and I, I do like the fact that Yanto is really persistent as well. I love it when he's sort of waiting for him outside the the hub, and um, later on when Jack's laying down the law, saying, you know, you better leave. This is your last warning. And he's like, oh, so you don't want to know about this thing in the warehouse, then, you know. So that that was it. Was fun. It was a good little um, story, and I don't know what else you could have done for Yanto, to be honest. Like you can't like. Whereas the other two stories are quite dark with Yanto. Because he is a sort of more of a sort of in the background character, I don't really know what other introduction you could have had for him. So mm. it uh, it does work really well, I think. Yeah, it's just a nice little simple introduction. And I, as I said initially, with all the flirting, I was a little bit like, oh dear. I thought it was sort of. I wondered where it was going to go with that story, but actually, it, it did add a bit of comic relief to to after two quite dark stories. So yeah, it's good. Yes, and, yeah. and Yanto's a fun character. He does deliver the humour lines quite well. He does, actually, yeah. And it was a little bit of a, a light relief because next we go on to Owen's story, which Oof, we mentioned. Which is dark yeah, as hell, yeah. We mentioned that briefly earlier. So with Owen, that's four years prior to that. And it's a simple one, this one. His his wife, mm. sorry, his fiance has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I think, because her memory's shot to bits and, you know, she 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 can't remember stuff and it's getting worse but owen suspects that something's not quite right because um him being a, a i assume he's like some kind of doctor or something previously to tortured but yeah he sees that the the usual pattern for somebody in decline with that is not suit is not the same as what's happening with his fiance he's so he's pleading with this his other doctor his friend it looks like like look just give her another scan because She's not in a sort of consistent decline that you would see with Alzheimer's. Like some days she'll just come out of it and she'll be absolutely fine. So something's not right. Anyway, something shows up on the scan that they didn't see before. 
they agree to operate. They see it's a bit of a tumor. They're going to get rid of it. While he's waiting for that to happen, uh, he is this huge explosion. And uh, Jack is privy to this. He knows exactly what this alien is and stuff. So when the alien gets exposed, basically it latches itself on and incubates within someone's brain. It's pretty horrible. Mm, it's um, pretty grim, yeah. Yeah, and starts to take over. But then when it gets exposed, it sort of releases this nerve gas thing that kills everybody in its whatever radius. But then it clears quickly. So uh, the effect was really good when they go into the operating room and they, you see the that woman's head, her brain exposed, and you see this little little alien thing wriggling around. It's it's pretty gruesome, but it's uh, grim, yeah, yeah. So and that really just does it in for Owen. You can see that now. You can see why he's like that in Torchwood, can't you? You can see that mm. he's basically feeling like, well, you know, that was my life. That was amazing. And it was all taken away from me. So you can see why he just goes off the rails a little bit. But more mm. so, like you were saying earlier, it's more about Owen's character and just seeing seeing him very warm and sweet and stuff like that, how he was with his uh, with uh, with his fiance and stuff. And then ultimately Jack turns up again at the graveside and they have a little bit of a to-do, a bit of a fisticuffs. And then, oh, yeah, he gives Jack a right good uh, right hook, doesn't he? Yeah. And then I think Ky- Owen kind of realises that, look, you know, it's one of those things, you know, if I haven't got my significant other, then, you know, I don't want my old life back. So I'll mm. go and do this torture thing. And that's, uh, and that was it. So, uh, Ben Gorman has a good one in the studio. Uh, and he looks terrified of the glass <laughs> falling on him. Yeah. I was going to say he is good, isn't he? Ben Gorman. He is good. And, um, I've really grown to like his character, uh, over this course of the two series, uh, up to this point, he's had a good evolution, I think as well. You know, and um, it's really, again, it's a great sort of uh, introductory story for him because I do love seeing him. It, it totally works. You can just see that he was, you know, quite an easygoing guy in love, about to get married. And then this happens and he becomes very cynical and, you know, he turns into the sort of Owen that we get to meet in series one. And it totally, it's totally believable. Um, and he plays it brilliantly, yeah. Yeah, and the bit with the glass is great. I, I thought it was a great uh, scene, that, when um, he just gets pulled out in time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good origin story as well. Mm. Very, very good. The bit with the brain hanging out with the alien attached to it is so gross. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I will say that this, this to me, manages to tread that fine line between, because of being sort of adult but without going too far. It is quite, I mean, there are scenes like that which are a bit... But it's it's not gratuitous, I wouldn't say. No, like some no. of the some of the blood and guts, and particularly the swearing in Torchwood up until this point, has has been quite gratuitous at times. But this this episode, I think, manages to balance it just right. Actually, mm-hmm. it's, it's an adult tone, and there's definitely scenes that they would have cut for the if they showed this uh, before nine, because they did used to do that, didn't they? they used to show like a an edited version. That's for, right. Yeah. Yeah. An earlier time slot for Doctor yeah. younger Doctor Two fans. But yeah, it's a good, although there's a couple of bits like that. And the bit with Jack pulling the glass out, I was like, he's <laughs> <laughs> pulling the glass out of his stomach. I was a bit yucky, but um, yeah, I think it's, it manages to get that fine line between being dark, but you know, just on the edge, not, not too much. Yeah. Mm. Just right. I think. Yeah. They did some cool stuff with torture at around, broadcasting it and stuff so what they used to do they used to repeat last week's episode and then they used to put the that current week one straight after it uh, which went out at um uh 10 30 i think on bbc three yeah yeah and then they did use they they did this kind of pre-watershed 
edited version, which went out at seven um, a few days later. So they did have some, you know, it was out. It wasn't just like a one shot. There you go. They did repeat some of them and and do, uh, do a slightly edited version, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So two things I just want to finish up on then. The first one is, um, what did you think about Unit? Because this is the first time that we see Unit in a slightly different way that we've seen them in in Doctor Who. So in this one, they kind of they they're they're really harsh in mm. this one, and I'm, I'm assuming that's because we're dealing with Torchwood, you know, and it's a bit more adult and stuff. But typically, when we've seen Unit in Doctor Who. Uh, right from the classic years, even to some of the newer stuff, uh, it, they've always been viewed as this kind of, yes, they're a military organisation, but they've got a very good relationship with uh, the Doctor, most of the time anyway. And, mm. you know, they're they're usually like a, they're kind of viewed as a force for good. You know, they're, they're helping to try and save the Earth and, you know, they're, they're only their only um, violence and stuff like that is against any sort of alien threat. They're not really into, you know, locking people up and being quite harsh. Whereas in this, the way we see them here, they are, they're more like, they're more like, you know, you know in Inferno and we see the parallel universe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unit, that's a good show actually. Yeah. They're yeah. more like that, aren't they? Where they're a lot harsher, a lot more, mm. they're viewed as, well, I wouldn't say the bad guys, but they're just, they've got that roughness about them and stuff, which we don't normally see. So I thought that was interesting that they went down that road uh, for this. So yeah, tortured being a bit rough around the edges. Yeah. Cause you, they're, they're prepared to, to lock Tosh up forever, aren't they? Which yes. is quite dark, yes. which is not, you can't imagine Sergeant Benton doing that, for example, <laughs> or Captain <laughs> Yates, or even the brig. Even the brig. So, yeah, it's definitely yeah. a darker Torchwood. Um, I, I, a, a darker unit, I mean. I wasn't sure that it was unit. I mean, I assumed it was unit, but I don't think they explicitly say, do they? I mean, they've got the red berries and stuff, so you assume it is unit. You see the logo as well. Oh, do you? Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, I yeah. just assumed it was unit, but I don't, mm. because they didn't sort of say it on screen. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that because <laughs> uh, it, it totally works in terms of story. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it, but it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I like to think of units as the more sort of <laughs> softer, snuggly Sergeant Benton and, and Brig sort of unit rather than this sort of military. But this does sort of make more sense really in terms of what unit is supposed to be. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it uh, works fine. Yeah. yeah, and it's just their treatment of Tosh as well, because mm. Tosh isn't one of the characters in the story that's out to take over the world or, you know, murder a bunch of people. She yeah. was doing what she was doing because her mum was being held hostage. So you would have thought that units would have been... A bit more understanding. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> they just would have known, this, you know, what's happening in that situation and been like, look, you know, what you did was bad, obviously but we can see why you, you know, there were, there was none of that at all. And then that when she's in that cell, which is only literally the size of not even the size of a, a bed in that tiny little cell. And then you get that uh, electronic voice. It sounds like um, basically saying you will be here for the rest of your life. You will not do anything basically. And it's just awful. Mm. So the unit yeah. in this one is uh, yeah, uh, a bit dark, a little bit dark. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing to talk about is just uh, the ending. So we, we see, um, Mm-hmm. We see Captain John Hart turn up. He's kidnapped Jack's brother, Gray. He basically takes um, ownership of the bombs. He's like, he's set this all up. 
yeah. and uh, he comes through by one of those cool Star Warsy holographic message. Uh, yeah, and basically says uh, he's going he's going to do some bad stuff in the mm. finale, and he's got Grey captive Jack's brother, and um, yeah, it doesn't look good. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of a, it's a it's a very short ending. It's only literally just one minute at the end, but it does make you want to watch the finale, though. I will give him that. Yeah, and it tied it up nicely as well because you're like, oh, okay, he set the bombs. He's a recurring character that we've we've seen before, so it's quite good that they brought him back. Uh, it's kind of a shock; wasn't really expecting it to be him. So yeah, no, it's good. And like you said, it it definitely left me wanting to watch the next one. I was thinking, oh wonder what happens like you know so yeah tied up the although it's a cliffhanger ending in a sense it really tied up the episode nicely and um yeah just going back to the episode as a whole it's just quite a nice simple idea isn't it drawn to warehouse booby trap origin stories boom back and now we're on to part two so yeah it all works really really well i think yeah very star wars though this holograms yeah yeah indeed (laughs) what's the i'm wondering what part gray is going to play in it as well because I'd sort of forgotten about that. Do you remember? So is that was that the end of series one, or was that the beginning of series two when we had all the the Jack flashbacks to his what looked like a home? That was quite a start, wasn't yeah, it? I think that was the flashback. end of series one. I think. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, because yeah. I remember quite liking some of that stuff. So, mm. yeah, see how that plays out. But yeah, that was good. It's a good way to wrap up the episode. Yes, indeedy. Yes. Yeah. Okay, scores then, bud. Whose turn is it to go first? I think it's you. Is it me? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give it an eight. I think I was sort of drifting between seven point five and eight, but I, I really did enjoy it, so I'll give it an eight. Okay, nice. Yeah, uh, I am with you on that, dude. I'm going to give it an eight as well. You give it an eight, cool. Yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a, it was a good, it was a good watch. Um, uh, yeah, no complaints really. And like we said right at the beginning, it's just, uh, it's just when when Chibber's when the stars align, I guess, with his mm. story and his script, and they come together. It can be a, a really good watch. So, yeah, solid eight, I think. I was thinking no. of an 8.5, but no, I think an eight is about right. Yeah. It's funny you said that, actually, about no complaints. Because, um, yeah, I can't, if I look at this as a story, I can't think of anything I didn't think worked or was bad, uh, really. Um, well, you know like, what I mean, yeah. I, that's a good way of saying it. I have no complaints about it. There wasn't anything, I don't really have any criticisms for this one. No, exactly, so, yeah. I think it's... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't really come away saying, oh, that part. I mean, it was a Gwen light story as well, which I think was also needed because she was in it a lot the last two episodes. Well, actually, that's another thing I think you know. Chibis did well because we've already, we kind of already know her origin story because that's kind of the first episode, isn't it? Where she's mm-hmm. like, she's part of the police force and she gets embroidered into torture. So we kind of already had her origin story. We don't need to go back through that again. So again, that worked pretty well in terms yeah. of the way it was written. Yeah. Indeedy. Okay, so it's eights all round from us then. What did our listeners think? We had a couple of audio clips in. Let's do those. First of all, from down under, it's Sammy Satine. Hey, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, fragments. I like this as a story. My main issues are related to how it relates to Series 1 of Torchwood, particularly Yanto. You see, Yanto mentions Lisa is dead. The same Lisa whom he tried to save from fully turning into a Cyberman. Also, if Yanto isn't working at Torchwood 1 or anywhere, where is he keeping Lisa before moving her to the Torchwood 3 basement? I think Owen's story is heartbreaking. Poor Owen. Tosh's is interesting. 
I like the 1,392 deaths earlier title card before we see Jack's backstory. I like this episode. I give it eight fragments out of ten. See ya. Mm. Another rate. Another rate, indeed. Yeah, Sammy likes this one, I think, which is good. I, I, I am slightly confused with the Lisa storyline. I will agree. I'm, yeah, you could probably, it's probably not too difficult to get around, but... Yeah, I was trying to wear that out. If it was a different girlfriend that was cybertized or, or what, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to think too hard about it. Yeah, probably not. Probably not worth yeah. going down that road. I'm sure there is an explanation, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Sammy. As always, an eight out of ten for Sammy. Let's move on. This is Mr. Neil Campbell. What about you fellas? How's it going? So, Torchwood series two fragments. I'm going to throw this out there and say that it is definitely in the top three best Torchwood stories um, it's outstanding and it's really well written it's also quite a simple plot as well I love the whole aspects of the, the flashbacks and you know their 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 stories and how they join Torchwood and I think it works um, and it, all their stories have you know a, a diverse range of reasons why they actually join Torchwood and it was great to see the Doctor actually being referenced in Jack's story. So I was very impressed with that. Once again, the music is on point. And like I said before, it's a pretty simple plot. Um, there's a device, it goes off. And then obviously there was a reveal at the end of Captain John again and Jack's brother. So that was a, a bit of a twist. And yeah, like for the way I mark Torchwood, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Cheers. Nine out of ten. A nine, that's a good score. Very good score, yeah. Outstanding, yeah. says Neil, in his top three. Yeah. That's cool. It was good. Yeah, indeedy. Yeah, thank you very much, Neil. A nine, that's a good score. Uh, moving on then, this is TardisNet 66. Fragments is a terrific story of tortures and one of Chris Chivnall's best scripts for the Hooniverse. It gets off to a terrific start with the discovery of these bombs, causing an explosion, which puts the characters in great mortal danger. It's wonderful that after two series with these characters, we get a flashback episode that details the characters' history and motivations, and makes you further appreciate and care about them. It gives a lot of depth with the trauma and experience of both Tosh and Owen, and brings a lot of strong insight into Jack's motivations and development. I think Yanto's story was kind of tedious, given that we already had a lot of insight into his start and beginning in Tortured, and... I did find the way Gwen was written out by simply the fact that she slept in a little lazy. However, it's a great story overall. I'd give it an 8.5 out of 10. 8.5. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> TN thinking that, yeah, having a lie-in, no excuse. That would be me, that would. <laughs> Every time. Where the bloody hell is Adam? <laughs> I'm not stuck under a rock. Is he up yet? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> 8.5 not bad score at all thank you very much Starless Net and last one uh, this is from Joe Turner Fragments is an outstanding tortured episode each of the origin stories are believable and above all develop not only our characters but the Doctor Who universe as a whole for example we get to see Unit when Toshiko is arrested for stealing the alien device from the Ministry of Defence it was interesting to see Unit prison and how brutal they are I mean, all your rights are immediately removed. Owen's story was tragic and provides an explanation why Owen is the way he is. Prior to Tortured, he was happy and caring for his wife. Now he's sarcastic and a bit rude at times. 
In Yanto's story, we get to see the impact of the Battle of Canary Wolf on Yanto and his desperation to get back into Tortured after losing Lisa. So all in all, the origins of these characters were well fleshed out and well thought through by Chibnall and adding something to each of their characters respectively. It was great to see Ruth get some action alongside Gwen and I enjoyed getting an insight into Jack and Tortured's past, even though Jack could be a little bit obnoxious at times. The ending is left on a fantastic cliffhanger with Captain John showing Jack his brother. It acts, a, it acts as a brilliant penultimate episode, setting up the finale really well. So overall, I'm going to give Fragments a 9.5 out of 10. Thank you. Wowzers. That's a high score. That is a decent one, Joe. 9.5. Well, I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed this one, dude. And yeah, Jack being obnoxious? Never. Well, we forgot about Reese, didn't we? <laughs> And we love Reed. See, it is good to see him getting involved in a bit of the action. Yeah, yeah, he's really he's really miffed as well as usual, isn't he? He's like, this could he's have like, been you under here. Yeah, and she's like, it's just when Jack's still alive as well. He's like, he's still alive. He should be dead. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Reese. Probably wishing he was. <laughs> Thank you very much, Joe, and the rest of our audio reviewers, TN sixty six, Neil and Sammy. Very much appreciated as always. We had a couple over on the on the socials. Short and sweet from our uh, buddy Martin over at the um, uh, Bad Wolf podcast. Bad yep. Wolf? Bad Wolf? Bad Wolf? Bad Wolf. Bad Wolf, yeah. Short and sweet just says, outstanding episode. Jordan Shortman, one of our writers, says, a very good episode. Was great to see how every other member of Tortured came to join the team. And it's hard to believe this was written by Chibnall. <laughs> great performances from all involved. And it was great to see Reese getting into the action. Easily one of Tortured's best. Sarah yeah. Louise, a running Hoovian, says, this is a lovely story. I really enjoyed learning the backstory for each character and how they ended up joining the Torchwood team. Also good to end on a cliffhanger with John referencing Jack's brother, Grey. 8.5. Yeah. Chippy T says, not a bad story. All franchises have this how did it all start stuff. Um, Jack's is the <laughs> most interesting, so it would have been a nice, uh, it would have been nice to dig into his origins. I imagine, though, we would have had an Anakin type impoverished background story. <laughs> oh well in which case maybe not five uh 7.5 thank you and uh our other writer maria she says one of my favorite season two episodes well directed and enjoy how jack's backstory gives context and depth before he and 10 meet again in utopia mm, yeah that's a good point maria yep love tosh's story oh baby you're good <laughs> and <laughs> owen wasn't always a prat <laughs> uh, jack recruits and ultimately saves them all one way or another. Mm, yeah. That's a very good point, Maria. I not really thought of it like that, yeah. Jack has said, yeah. Okay. Uh, and a couple over on Facebook. Andrew Stewart says, a really nice insight into how every member of Torchwood started, yet it's also quite a dark one where it puts the team in life-threatening danger. Uh, it does feel like a filler, but when you think about it, it isn't especially when it leads into the finale. So I'll give it an 8.5. Mm. And lastly, Lou Gallagher says, very good. Kind of hard to believe it was written by he who must not be named. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Particularly liked Tosh and Owen's backstories. <laughs> as bad as liking them might sound, I think it's a bit of a wonder they're relatively unscathed, apart from Tosh's arm. Still sets things up with a really cool cliffhanger at the end for the finale. Probably give it an 8.5. Mm. High scores this week. Yeah, some good ones for this one. Mm. Next week, bud. What have we got then? Next week, yeah, so uh, 10th Doctor story next week. God, I feel like we haven't watched the 10th Doctor for ages. Um, so it'd be nice to see him. And it's a Dalek story. It's Daleks in Manhattan, an evolution of the Daleks. 
Hmm. This is an American one, isn't it? American, yeah. <laughs> Daleks in Manhattan. Yes, well, I'll tell, you, <laughs> I'll tell you, when we did last do a 10th Doctor story, it was The Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Lords back in June. Yeah, I feel like I haven't seen him for a while. I certainly mm. haven't seen this two-parter for a while. I, I know that. I have not watched this in some time. Yes. So, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch that one again. Yeah, indeed. Okie dokie. Right, dude. Uh, I think we're going to end there for three, two, three. Stick a pin in it. Thank you so much for coming to listen to our show once again. That was episode 323. Recapping on the news, we say goodbye to Tony Selby, who left us. And also we spoke about Mr. Eccleston being a bit of a grumpy sod still, where it concerns the BBC. More specifically, Russell and Julie and Julie Gardner and the other guys. Was it Phil? Phil Collinson, wasn't it? Yeah. Not good, mate. (laughs) Not good. No. Go and get that Nando's, guys. Yeah. Go and have a Nando's. Yeah. Either go and have a Nando's or go and have a cup of tea. A cup of tea normally soothes things over pretty well. (laughs) Anyway, as Adam said, next week we're on to the 10th Doctor. It is the two-parter Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks. So get your Blu-rays or your DVDs or your Britbox. Oh, no, no, no. There's no modern who on Britbox. Uh, BBC iPlayer, sorry. Get all that fired up. Get it watched because we'll be asking for your reviews as we always do. And thank you again to uh, the people that sent in your reviews much appreciated um, right until next week for three to four remember to uh, subscribe to our show follow it and whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on uh, that way you won't miss a show every friday and if you listen on something like apple podcasts or stitcher or um, uh, podchaser.com uh, any of those things where you can leave a review or a rating if you wouldn't mind doing that that would be awesome because that helps us out loads and loads and thank you so much to the people that have left reviews very very kind words so very much appreciated we are on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook you can find links to those over on the website which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our shows on there actually sorry all of our episodes uh, all for free on there uh, and go off to the socials and stuff we have a free discord server as well and again the link is on the website go and sign up to that come and chat doctor who with plenty of other doctor who fans it's all very good so go and do that also check out adam's channel over on youtube it is of course the geek's handbag the geek's handbag yeah go and have a look at my youtube channel lots of vids on there unboxings reviews location reports the lot the whole uh, shebang the whole shebang the whole kiss kiss bang yes and adam's on the socials too under the same name okay until next week my name's gary my name's adam and remember and